Good afternoon. Hope you're ready to talk about lung cancer for uh, about an hour and a half here. So we'll start out with a question again. Which of the following is true for squamous cell carcinoma of the lung? More common in women, 90% are peripheral in location. Multicentricity is a frequent cause of treatment failure. 75 to 80% metastasized to extrathoracic sites and pleural effusion is common. Very good. I guess not a majority, but the highest number got the correct answer. <laughs> okay, so etiology of lung cancer. We'll just cover a few basic principles here. Uh, tobacco use, of course, is known to cause lung cancer. 90% of uh, cancers occur in people who are cigarette smokers or have been smokers. Typically a latent period of several years, 20 to 25 years, and a higher incidence in mid to older age. It's dose-related, with heavy smokers having 25 times the risk of non-smokers. Reversibility of precancerous changes has been noted in some ex-smokers and in laboratory studies. Secondhand smoke is also uh, causative of lung cancer um, with greater than 25 years of exposure as a child and, and uh, young adult, uh, doubles the risk of lung cancer. 17% of cancers among non-smokers are attributable to secondhand smoke and the risk of non-smokers is increased by 25% if they have secondhand smoke exposure. Other causative factors, um, there's several things that can lead to lung cancer. Uh, particular matter seems to be greater risk than chemicals and fumes. Tumor initiators uh, are, there's two dozen polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, benzopyrene, affects KRAS and increases risk of adenocarcinomas associated with that. Uh, there's tumor promoters, and complete carcinogens that are listed there for you. There's also I mean, occupational exposures uh, to certain uh, substances like arsenic, chromate, nickel, asbestos, and so forth. Organic chemicals uh, can lead to lung cancer and increase the risk, as well as radioactive emissions. Uranium and, and uh, smoking have a, a synergistic effect on lung cancer with uh, 10 times the risk. Uh, asbestos exposure has been known for years. Uh, tobacco and asbestos, there's a 50 to 90, per, 90 times greater risk of lung cancer uh, versus unexposed controls. Atmospheric pollution, including radio, radioactive fallout and radon, are also associated with lung cancer. Biomarkers uh, associated with uh, primary carcinomas of the lung, EGFR and KRAS mutations are common in adenocarcinoma, but rare in squamous. Most squamous cells uh, harbor somatic uh, mutations in TP53. Guidelines recommend testing of mutations for EGFR and ALK and lung cancers with adenocarcinoma histology, tumors with adenocarcinoma component, and poorly differentiated non-small cell lung cancers. The ASCO recommends testing to be provided in non or light smoking patients with, uh, lung, with uh, lung squamous cell carcinoma. And small cell carcinomas and large cell neuroendocrine carcinomas are not recommended for uh, uh, next-gen sequencing. This is kind of a, uh, a progression of uh, disease that is seen in lung cancer. First, hyperplasia um, is seen, then followed by metaplasia, and then dysplasia, carcinoma in situ, and eventually invasive carcinoma. Clinical manifestations, the most common is cough, and 75 to really 80% of patients 
pain, particularly um, if they've got chest wall involvement or pleural involvement, hemoptysis, and, and so on. Um, here's the, uh, the WHO classification of lung tumors. Non-small cell lung cancer accounts for about 85% of lung cancers and uh, small cell for 15%. And then they're, of course, divided into multiple subgroups. Talking about the most common ones here, uh, squamous cell carcinoma is a bit more common in men. They tend to be central tumors, not peripheral. Um, they grow endobronchially, invade surrounding tissue. Pulmonary vein and artery are maybe compressed or involved with direct invasion because of the central nature of the tumor. Um, and distal pulmonary changes, of course, would be common with secondary to bronchial obstruction, uh, leading to post-obstructive pneumonia and, or, and or atelectasis. Multicentricity, as we learned in our first question, is a frequent cause of treatment failure. Typically spreads within the chest to nodes, pleura, diaphragm, um, and other areas in the lung. 20 to 25% metastasized to extrathoracic sites. It's uncommon to see a pleural effusion with, with squamous cell, although uh, it can in, involve the pleura. Histologic features, uh, and this is broken down into well-differentiated and moderately differentiated uh, with keratinization and loss of intracellular bridges uh, as, as the differentiation becomes less well-defined. Adenocarcinoma uh, is increasing in, in both sexes, and it tends to be more common than squamous cell uh, carcinoma. 30% arise in surface epithelium and submucosal glands of bronchi. Atypia and dysplasia are frequent frequently uh, uh, um, seen in, in the adjacent epithelium next to the malignant cells. Cells resembling clerocells may be the uh, common cell of origin for adenocarcinomas. Grossly, they're hard gray or white mass in the periphery of the lung, and oftentimes there's puckering of the overlying pleura, even though you may not see that evident on CT scan. That's oftentimes oft a as you can see in that picture, uh, um, indication of where the cancer is. There's, uh, there can be extensive necrosis, uh, but cavitation is unusual. Uh, they typically elicit quite a fibrotic response around the tumor, and they grow more rapid, rapidly than small cell, excuse me, than uh, squamous cell carcinoma, and metastasize readily to, to lymph nodes, uh, as well as to, uh, to distant sites. This is uh, just a CT image of uh, adenocarcinoma typically found in the periphery and sometimes uh, can be difficult to differentiate between a metastatic lesion and so taking a good history and knowing who has had previous malignancies in extrathoracic sites would be helpful. Chronic bronchitis with, with a cough and post-obstructive pneumonia, um, usually without hemoptysis, may be a manifestation of adenocarcinoma because of mucin production. Uh, FNA diagnosis is common, again, because it's more peripherally located and easier to access with a fine needle aspiration. And uh, it's important to look for um, sites of uh, metastases before you operate on these patients because the brain tends to be a, a place uh, as well as other areas where the, where the uh, tumor frequently metastasizes. Histologic features, Asner subtype is most common. Uh, there's papillary and solid mucin producing. Some will show a mixed pattern. There's well-differentiated, moderate-differentiated, and poorly differentiated with various stages of gland formation. Bronchoalveolar carcinoma is a term that really isn't used any longer. Um, it's uh, if, if somebody has a, uh, uh, what we used to call bronchial alveolar carcinoma, it's uh, now uh, just carcinoma in situ.
or, or adenocarcinoma with bronchialveolar features. There's four headings, uh, adenocarcinoma in situ, minimally invasive, invasive with lipidic predominant and invasive mucinous adenocarcinoma. A couple of pictures of uh, in situ and uh, lipidic growth pattern on both of these. Both typically are uh, less than three centimeters with lipidic growth, no necrosis, and, and less than five millimeters of stromal invasion with minimally invasive. There's hobnail, tall goblet cells, and mixed uh, for non-mucinous, mucinous, and mixed cell types. Uh, CT scan of uh, different uh, presentations of adenocarcinoma in addition to the one we looked at just a minute ago. Um, usually peripheral nodules um, can have kind of a ground glass or halo effect around the uh, more solid appearing portion of the tumor, whereas in this lower uh, CT image uh, can look more like uh, pneumonia. Large cell carcinomas, uh, next most common, tend to be bulky, soft gray or tan, pink masses with uh, sometimes extensive necrosis. 50% arise in subsegmental or larger bronchi. This location is more common for squamous cell and then large cell and less common for adenocarcinoma of the central locations. 50% are peripheral and uh, subplural and similar to adenocarcinoma macroscopically. They tend to be aggressive and grow rapidly. Oftentimes patients will have three or four disease at pre presentation and have a poorer prognosis in either squamous cell or adenocarcinoma. The histologic features are large uh, cells, as you can see here, and as is indicated by the name, they tend to grow in sheets, um, and there isn't really evidence of much maturation. Um, and there's different uh, cell types, basaloid and clear cell. Large cell with neuroendocrine uh, features often are uh, at least T2 in size at diagnosis and oftentimes uh, stage three or four at presentation. Prognosis is uh, uh, between somewhere between atypical carcinoid tumors and small cell lung cancer. The histology, um, high-grade carcinoma with neuroendocrine features have large polygonal, pol polygonal cells, abundant cytoplasm, coarse uh, chromatin in the nuclei, and a high mitotic rate. Small cell lung cancer typically arises from small basal cells of the epithelium, it shows neuroendocrine differentiation, metastasize early and widely, and frequently are not operable at, at presentation or at a diagnosis. Hyaluron mediastinal lymph node involvement is uh, very common um, and oftentimes completely replaces the nodes, uh, and they tend to be very large on imaging. SVC obstruction is frequent because of the mediastinal involvement and uh, oftentimes metastasized to, uh, to bone and to liver. Two major subgroups, limited disease and extensive disease. Uh, extensive disease is much more common. Uh, limited disease may present with just a small nodule without any evidence of nodal involvement, and surgery could play, in management, uh, play a role in management, but oftentimes does not because of node involvement. Non-small cell uh, carcinomas with neuroendocrine features, um, another category to be aware of. Neuroendocrine markers uh, in otherwise adenosquamous or large cell undifferentiated uh, tumors is what kind of defines this group. They may be more aggressive and have a poorer prognosis than other non-small cell lung cancers. They may respond differently to chemotherapy um, and uh, the significance of the neuroendocrine features is uncertain in many patients. Combination carcinomas uh, can be a combination of any cell type and 
usually one cell type is more predominant than the other. Electron microscopy will show this even more that, uh, that there are different features in there. And then adeno with squamous is most common. The, clinically, the tumor will likely behave like the most malignant portion. Scar carcinoma, one-third are adeno and one-fifth uh, of squamous cell carcinomas will show enough desmoplastic reaction to raise the question of whether it's coming from a scar or whether the desmoplastic or whether it's desmoplastic reaction. Fifty percent of scar tumors are associated with infarcts or granulomatous disease. Twenty-five percent uh, are seen in miscellaneous scars like pneumoconiosis, foreign body, the previous traumas, so forth. Most common in the upper lobes. Um, the it always presents an interesting challenge when you've seen something that, stains, that has remained stable over the years and suddenly changes. You don't know if it's a scar changing um, or not. And needle biopsies, if you don't show malignancy, you still have to go after it like most tumors. Perineoplastic syndromes are associated with lung cancer, and they're defined as extrapulmonary manifestations mediated by uh, ectopic peptides, cytokines, or hormones produced by the tumor. More often present with small cell carcinoma, and they, the symptoms may be nonspecific. Uh, they, some are a little more concerning, like SIADH and Cushing syndrome, hypercalcemia, hypoglycemia, myasthenia gravis, and even Eaton-Lambert uh, syndrome. As far as diagnoses goes, there's uh, uh, two things that uh, you want to know. First is tissue confirmation. And second is to understand what the extent of disease is so you can stage the patient accurately and, uh, and uh, recommend the appropriate therapy. And then, of course, there's non-invasive and invasive testing. As far as non-invasive goes, uh, sputum cytology um, is often uh, referred to. It's not very sensitive but very specific. Uh, it does have a false positive rate uh, of 9%. Larger tumors... Um, with, uh, with more central uh, and that are located more centrally have a higher diagnostic yield. And uh, squamous cell cancers obviously are more frequently diagnosed by sputum cytology because of, their, uh, of them being commonly centrally located. CT scanning is another uh, important non-invasive modality to look at the size, location, and extent of the tumor. Um, there are certain things that make you more concerned about it being uh, a malignancy on CT scan, like speculation, no calcifications, or a semi-solid appearance such as ground glass. And uh, also good for, for understanding whether it's invading surrounding structures. It's good at evaluating mediastinal lymph nodes, and a lymph node that's greater than 10 millimeters in the short axis uh, should be considered suspicious. It's not adequate to definitely um, confirm nodal metastases because uh, it, the node is enlarged. It has, you know, uh, fairly poor sensitivity and, uh, and also specificity. You'll see in a moment PET-CT is much better at that. PET-CT scanning is also becoming standard uh, or is standard in, in evaluation of lung cancer and typically uh, a malignant nodule that's greater than a centimeter in size is going to have somewhat higher SUVs the lower and medium SUVs uh, can, of course, of course, be lung cancer, but can also be infection or infl inflammatory lesions. The lower limit of resolution is typically about a centimeter, and there may be variable uptake, particularly when you have a ground glass opacity or a semi-solid nodule. You can see the sensitivity is fairly good as well as the specificity of a CT scan. 
with hypermetabolic activity. PET scanning helps to improve accuracy and is cost-effective. Uh, it also can be used to detect uh, metastases and uh, confirm metastases in the adrenal glands um, in up to 20% of patients with non-small cell lung cancer. Oftentimes, that then can guide a CT-guided needle biopsy. Um, it helps to di distinguish between, between benign and malignant adrenal masses as well, particularly if the mass is fairly small. It's a better predictor of stage one and two disease, uh, superior accuracy for a T and N status, higher positive predictive value for N1 and N2 disease, and it's more accurate and sensitive than, uh, and specific than bone scanning. MRI generally doesn't have much uh, use in, in lung cancer unless you're uh, trying to evaluate superior sulcus tumors with uh, chest wall and, uh, and nerve involvement. It's where it's used most commonly. Now, with invasive uh, strategies here, bronchoscopy uh, can afford a direct biopsy um, of uh, endobronchial lesions, although a normal exam can be fairly common, particularly with more peripheral lesions. And, of course, squamous cell are more often seen than adenocarcinomas because of their central location. EBUS is uh, becoming uh, more common, and uh, probably some of the places that you've been, um, you see it fairly routinely. It's good for diagnosing mediastinal nodes and lung tumors and assessing those nodes and, and also biopsying them. It's about 96% uh, accuracy. It uh, can be done under uh, MAC or general anesthesia. Um, accessible node stations are listed there and clear out to station 12. And of course, the, the nodes that are next to the trachea. Equivalent or improved yield in ram randomized controlled trials compared to mediastinoscopy. So it's, it's at least as good as, if not uh, superior. Recent prospective controlled trials uh, demonstrated no difference for EBUS and uh, transbronchial needle aspiration compared to mediastinoscopy and sensitivity, negative predictive value, and diagnostic accuracy for mediastinal node involvement. Multiple other trials and meta-analysis has confirmed that EBUS and transbronchial uh, needle aspiration is either equivalent or superior to mediastinoscopy in terms of diagnostic yield and has a lower complication rate. FNA of, uh, of a uh, lung nodule is oftentimes performed and maybe uh, have been done prior to the patient re reaching you, depending on how aggressive your pulmonologists are. Um, it has a relatively low occurrence of pneumothorax uh, and as well as hemoptysis and a low false positive uh, rate but uh, false negatives are frequent, and um, as the saying goes, you can't rule out lung cancer with a negative needle biopsy. And certain contraindications with pulmonary hypertension, severe emphysema, or uh, previous uh, resection on the contralateral side, particularly pneumonectomy. Mediastinoscopy is invasive, of course. It's considered the gold standard, uh, but EBUS is right on its tail. Uh, has a low mortality, uh, decent sensitivity, and high specificity. High rate of, uh, and there's a uh, greater than 90% rate of complete resection with a negative mediastinoscopy. Nodal stations are important to know, and uh, basically I divide them into two categories, N1 and N2. Um, of course, there's N3 as well, but um, uh, the single-digit stations are N2 to N3 lymph nodes in the um, and the uh, double-digit stations are N1 lymph nodes. And then with uh, station 1 being supraclavicular and low cervical being, being uh, N3 lymph nodes, regardless of where the tumor is located.
mediastinoscopy can, uh, can gain access to the uh, mediastinal nodes that are central, uh, ones that are um, out in uh, level five and six, uh, of course, are accessible with a Chamberlain procedure, a thoracoscopic procedure, and then, of course, thoracoscopy can reach uh, some of the ones that mediastinoscopy cannot. I don't know that I need to show you how mediastinoscopy is done here. So here's a suggested algorithm. If the tumor is less than three centimeters, uh, it's a, typically a peripheral location and uh, no uh, suspicious lymph nodes on CT or PET. Um, typically, that's going to be a stage 1A, if, if, at least on clinical stage. You can go directly to surgical resection. With enlarged lymph nodes on PET uh, or CT, we, you should uh, pursue a tissue diagnosis to rule out mediastinal nodal metastases. Uh, if you can do either EBUS or uh, um, EUS if you've got uh, parasophageal nodes. Um, and uh, if, if an EBUS is negative, you can even consider mediastinoscopy if your index of suspicion is high that this person has unresectable disease because of mediastinal nodal involvement. AP window nodes can be accessed by a Chamberlain procedure. Um, if, the, if the tumor is central, or the tumor is greater than three centimeters, or there's suspicion of, of N1 lymph nodes, you really ought to be considering mediastinoscopy via one of the methods, or, well, mediastinoscopy or EBUS to sample those nodes. Okay, so lung cancer screening. Uh, in the, from, the 70, from 1970 to the 1990s, there were randomized control trials that showed no, no benefit, but in 2010, there was a randomized control trial that showed benefit uh, showed benefit with uh, low-dose uh, um, lung cancer screening, uh, CT scans. Uh, it involved a study of over 53,000 patients. It saw, they saw a 20% reduction in lung cancer screening mortality uh, among those that were screened compared with, uh, with the low-dose CT scan versus chest X-ray. Fairly low-dose uh, CT scan is 1.4 to 1.6 millisieverts, um, which is 25%. Uh, of the radiation dose from a standard chest CT scan, and it's equivalent to eight chest X-rays. Here's just a reproduction from the uh, National Comprehensive Cancer Network um, algorithm for um, uh, assessing who should undergo low-dose lung cancer screening CT scans. And you can see a list of the um, uh, recommended uh, things like how long they've been smoking, what their age is, and so forth. So the guidelines are age of 55 to 74 who have a 30-pack year history and currently smoke or have quit within 15 years and in relatively good health. Management of a nodule seen on uh, screening uh, or uh, on a lung cancer screening CT or incidental finding, the majority of these are not malignant. Um, the size of the, the uh, nodule is important in determining the chance of it being uh, malignant. Um, and multiple nodules greater than, defined as greater than six are most likely inflammatory disease, but still uh, warrant uh, some type of evaluation, which may, which may just be as serial CT, CT scanning. The most suspicious nodules are the ones that uh, are partially solid. 63% of um, are, are malignant. Solitary nodule uh, close follow-up uh, can be done to uh, document uh, stability of size or nodule growth. Typically, if the, gro if the nodule increases in size, you'll want to proceed to take it out or at least make 
arrangements for that or further evaluation. PET scan is fairly sensitive. FNA is also fairly sensitive and, and uh, accurate. Um, but a non-diagnostic biopsy, again, uh, um, oftentimes will necessitate further workup depending on the uh, circumstances of the patient. And of course, EBUS, uh, navigational bronchoscopy or CT bronchoscopy and uh, surgical resection are also ways of diagnosing a, a, a solitary nodule. So, follow-up question. All of the following are N2 mediastinal nodes except pulmonary ligament, lower paratracheal, hyalur, AP window, or paraesophageal. Better than last time. Great. <laughs> 